Yeah, that's actually what the Lord wanted us to talk about. If you want to look at John chapter 6. We had a really cool um, encounter, many, many encounters this week. We had a group in uh, with Voice of Wilderness, and those are, so, those are some of the people that were here. But we had a whole team at Genesis Ranch, and uh, just a varied group from every walk and every place, you know, uh, but the common denominator being Jesus. And again, we've heard it a sec- you know, another time where they thought they were coming for a little hiking. Or no, excuse me. They came for a lot of hiking and a little bit of Jesus, and it was reversed. They got a whole bunch of Jesus and just a little bit of hiking, you know. So um, it was a beautiful time because each one comes from a different walk and a different journey and a different place in the church at large. So one young girl was there, and yesterday morning, we ended up having a time from breakfast until almost noon of just talking about some things, and the Lord just kept highlighting some stuff out of that conversation that there's this, there's a subtlety, like what Dean said is absolutely, that's the truth. You come to Christ because He draws you, and because He fills you with faith, and you, His faith and your belief collide in an encounter where he deposits himself inside you. And when he deposits himself inside you, it's because he chose you. It's because he saved you. It's because you did nothing to earn it. It just was his faith, your belief, they collided, you got saved. And then the church turns and says, you've been saved by grace. But now you better work your salvation out with fear and trembling and twist it to say, even though you got in by his works, You're going to get through it by yours. And so that's not true either. Like, and so the Lord, he just continues to like remind me and and work on my heart. And every morning he wakes me up remembering the sufficiency of his blood. Remembering the sufficiency of what he's done. Remembering. And I am not in the least getting bored with that conversation. I literally wake up and I am blown away to an even greater degree than I was the day before. Because I'm literally like, how can it be that I should gain from your reward? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if you think about it in the context of trying to make sense of it. And so, in John chapter 6, you guys know the book of John is actually written by the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ as Messiah. Jesus as God. You know, that's the revelation of John. And so even though he hasn't he hasn't been crucified yet and he still is in the old covenant and he still is teaching law. He kind of throws people for a loop because they don't know how to take him. And in John chapter six, in verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus responds to them, which, by the way, he doesn't answer the question. Hopefully you notice, like, one of the things about Jesus is he answers questions that need to be answered, but typically he takes it another direction. He says, I I say to you, you're seeking me, but it's not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And um, I was talking to this young girl this week about Loving Jesus and following Jesus. 
And there are people that I've witnessed in ministry who try to use Jesus like a drug. And this is what I mean. They come into the family and they appear to have a zeal and a desire and they've confessed Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. But the reason they're following Jesus is for what Jesus will do for them. Not for who they'll become through him. See, when you try to use Jesus as a drug and you think he's going to give you this and give you that and do this and do that and do this and do that spiritually, naturally, in all those ways. Yeah, you know, there's a pedal here. I guess I stepped on. <laughs> um, so as he, you know, if you're trying to use him, that's not oneness with the Father. That's not oneness with Jesus. Because I can intellectually look around in a fellowship of people and see like, man, look at what Terry and Kathy have, right? And I'm like, you guys seem really happy. You know, you got things kind of figured out. What is it you got? Well, we, we walk with Jesus. Oh, I want that too. I'm a, I don't walk with Jesus. And yet, in the heart of hearts, it's not been an encounter with Jesus. It's been an encounter with the benefits. Yeah. And then they try to apply the benefits to their life. But what will happen very quickly is they'll get offended by who Jesus really is. And so it's not people losing their salvation. It's people departing from the faith. Because they're saying, this faith that you have. I'm leaving because he didn't give me what I wanted. You follow the difference? Like, but when Christ makes himself one with me, interweaves, molecularly makes himself one with me, do I really think I have the power to disassemble Jesus from my life? Like, do I, am I really capable of saying, oh, Jesus, you made a mistake. You picked the wrong guy. You made yourself one with me, but I don't want you, so I'm out of here. Peace, deuces. And then, then people look and they go, oh, yeah, Justin, he lost his salvation. Justin was never born again. That's right. Justin never had life in him. Like, so Christ makes himself one with us for this reason, that we would become like him. Amen. Right? And the reason he makes himself one with them is because he's confident of himself. He's not confident of you. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't like, hey, oh, Michelle, I'm choosing her. I see the future. She's going to do great things. She's going to pray, read her Bible, probably never speak evil toward her husband again. You know, she's probably never going to worry, never going to fear. She's actually just going to hold the line, toe the line. Yeah, I'll be one with her. Boom, jumps in. No, not at all. He looks at our heart and he says, who is it that will love me? Who is it that will Choose me. Who is it that will carry their cross? Who is it? And he already is confident of his own ability to carry us all the way to the end. So people follow Jesus in, the, in this season because of what they, they got to benefit from through him. And so we as believers have to, have to let our mind be shifted. Is it a benefit to have Jesus? Absolutely. Oneness with Christ means I am going to be never begging bread. That's what the Bible says. The righteous shall never beg bread. Guess what? I will always have food. Even when my fridge is empty, I could walk on my porch and there's a big turkey cooked just laying on my step. Why? Because Christ said, you're not going to be begging for your food. 
He said, you'll always be clothed. You'll always have shelter. I will always take care of you. If I took care of little flowers and if I dress Solomon in his day and they're dressed better than Solomon, then how much more will I take care of you and provide for you? So the benefits of Jesus are amazing. Like they're so amazing that it's like when I'm a total screw up, I'm still justified with God. They're so amazing that when I've jacked up today, he's got my tomorrow and says, you're starting at zero, Justin. My mercies are brand new. I'm not holding anything over your head. In the second of your mess up, I haven't held anything over you. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation, nothing. There's nothing that ever anyone could say to you to tell you that you haven't arrived. Because you arrived through my blood and you're here. You're seated in heavenly places. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I made myself one with you so you could experience my glory. Love my Father. Do it while you're doing anything you're doing. Just choose what you're doing and I'm with you. Amen. Yeah, that's that's huge benefit to that. So it isn't what I'm getting from Jesus. But he says, you guys are following me because you ate the bread. He says this. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him. This is a huge question. Like the the entire church, the whole body of Christ should sit down every day. And ask this question of themselves. What must we do to be doing the works of God? That's huge. Because this morning, there are churches all over, the world, all over the nation, all over the world that are preaching today the four principles, the four things that you will be a better Christian if you leave the doors and do them. That's not the works of God. It's not the works of God. It's not the works of God to not cuss. It's not the works of God to not have, have a lustful moment. It's not the works of God to, to think that your prayer and your meditation and your spiritual conditioning. And it's not the works of God to fast. It's not the works of God for you to sing the right song or to have the right heart attitude. It's not the works of God for you to always be a good husband and always be a good wife. It's not the works of God that you would continue on trying to live out this Christian life to try to please Him. That's not what's preached. Because we have itching ears and our itching ears want to give me a formula so I can taste and see and touch and feel what it is that makes God happy with me. And therefore, then I actually can be condemned because he's not happy when I screw up. I don't believe the itching ears in the last days have anything to do with prosperity preaching. I don't think they have anything to do with anything other than the law itself. Because people like formulas and they like brick piles. And when you give people formulas and you give them a right to have some self-righteousness, they love what they accumulate through their own self-righteousness. I've built this church. I've led many disciples. I've saved many souls. I've planted many churches. Who cares? Who gives a rip? I am not going to see you standing beside Christ and determine, well, yeah, he did pretty good. Christ in him alone. That's it. Every other person in a sea of glass reflecting the glory of Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. You don't have works that you can, uh, you can brag about. The problem is the enemy's convinced us that it's all about how we behave and how we act. And because if you have this work, this little brick pile, then when you're condemned, right? Because who's perfect? Who wakes up every day and doesn't do anything wrong, right? No, not one. No, not one. I don't care what anyone thinks. No, not one. So that means if there's no, not one who has attained the glory of God, then every single person is in desperate need of the blood of Jesus. 
So that in that place, and here's, here's what self-righteousness does. Man, I messed up right now, but man, look at this brick pile. I, I, you know, I did really good right here. And we start to try to obtain and, and utilize our self-righteousness to propel us forward into more self-righteousness. How crazy is that? Here's where Jesus wants our focus. So he goes on and says, uh, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Because Jesus is blowing up all their law and all their thoughts. Here's what he said. He answered the question. Jesus answered them. This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he sent. Period. No list. Nothing follows that. He wasn't like, believe in me and make sure you fast. Believe in me, make sure you read your scriptures. Believe in me, go to Bible school. Believe in me, get to church on Sunday, get on time, get to church on time on Sunday. Believe in me, wear your right clothes. Believe in me, you know, act right. Be, don't be rude to your neighbor. Believe in me. Don't you ever screw up, not even one time. Believe in me and don't you ever mess it up. Don't you ever mess it up. And that's what's preached every Sunday. I live through it. And I left every Sunday condemned. And I left every Sunday not full of faith, but full of condemnation and guilt. Full of my own effort now to make it through the week. And Jesus said, I got, here, I got the list of works for you, Justin. I mean, nail it to the door of the church. Believe in me. Ah, freedom. Total freedom. So when am I supposed to believe in Jesus? All the time. Screw something up. Believe in Jesus. Do something right. Believe in Jesus. You will never put a brick next to you and think you accomplished it if you really do what he said right here. When you believe in Jesus and your life has fruit and it goes out into people's lives, you know what people say to you? I recognize the anointing that's on your life. You know what your response is? Thank you. Because why? Because when somebody says, I recognize the anointing in your life, you say, I believe in Jesus. He's one with me. I'm supposed to shine. I'm actually supposed to be the light of the world. I'm supposed to be so passionate and so full of Christ that when people encountered him, they're encountering him now through me. So they actually are like, you're intense. And I'm like, yeah, because I believe in Jesus. Right? Okay, here's a lie. No Christians are perfect. They're just forgiven. You've been perfected by one sacrifice once for all. You're not a sinner who's forgiven. You're a son of the living God who's been perfected by the blood of Christ. Act like it. Because if you don't believe that you've been perfected, you're going to try to keep perfecting yourself. But when you believe I'm perfected in Christ... Then when you screw up, you're like, that's not who I am. I'm going to repent. Let's go this other way. Like, so when this young girl was bringing these things up, she was talking about that. And she started talking about how the world and the, and the language of the world also has a pull on her heart. And I love that. Honest conversations are amazing. But you know the part of her that the world was pulling on? Her emotions. Do you know why her emotions were susceptible to the world's language? Because she didn't have the anchor for her soul. The word of the living God. She didn't have pieces of the truth of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when the voice of the world comes, 
But you can recognize its deception immediately because it stands in opposition to the realities of this word. An anchor for your soul, there is zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 100% of the time. Like, the anchor for your soul, you are justified before God 100% of the time. You have peace with God 100% of the time. His sacrifice for sin, disarmed, destroyed, every ruler, every principality, every power. The demons do not have power over the church. Like, these are the anchors of the word of the living God. That when we have that anchor of our soul, and what actually are we believing in when we believe in the word? Yeshua. He became the word. The word became and dwelt. So what is Justin supposed to become? The Word. Dwelling among us. What, it, what, is, what is all believers supposed to become? The Word. So when information through the church, information through the scriptures, information comes, you have to ask yourself, is it becoming knowledge that I regurgitate? Or am I becoming the Word? Because the, the, what you regurgitate or what you share is really not that impressive. It isn't. But what Christ flows through you, yes. because you are becoming the word. Have you guys ever had somebody like tell you something about Jesus and you knew that what they're telling you is not at all in line with how they're living? It's not their life. It was just, they're just saying it. And there's no impact. There's no impact there. So it's kind of like when you take a new bunch of believers, they come into the church and you're like, okay, evangelism program. Everyone come on Thursday night. We're going out to share Jesus. Half the people don't even know how good he is. You just brought a bunch of people into a room who are kind of like clueless when it comes to like the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you're just sending them out into the street under the law to be vacuum cleaner salespeople. And they're like, hey, yeah, um, do you know that Jesus died for your sin? And that, um, and then people are like, "Eh, yeah, okay, have a nice day. And the beauty of Jesus is he uses it and he saves people. So I'm not discrediting. But what I am saying is, why don't we help each other fall in love with Christ? And actually become the word who is Christ. And then live a life that actually has an aroma of Christ. So that those who are going to be saved by it smell you coming. And your evangelism actually has a lot less to do with what you say. And a lot more of the demonstration of power because you walked in the room. When the waitress is just like, I don't even know. Something's going on. And you're like, yeah, no. Jesus loves you. And then boom, word of knowledge. Comes out of your mouth. She's like, oh. You know, like. And Jesus, you're like, how did that just happen? I thought we were having Mexican food. Jesus is like saving the world. And I'm over here eating a burrito. You see, like, it becomes free. It's like, this is a free way to live. The other way was like, and I told this on Thursday night. I used to have to fill out a paper on, on, on chapel. Every, every day at Bible school at chapel, I had to fill out a form saying how many people I witnessed to. You know what it made me? A liar. I'm like, here's my form, came down, hand me a form, and I'm like, how many people did I witness to? None. Five. You get it? 
Like the power of sin is the law. So when Christ comes and says, hey, I got something for you. Here's the work of God. Believe in me. He just liberated everybody. And you know what the beauty of belief is? You can't, contrary to what people kind of have this mentality of, belief isn't determinable of like, oh, Brad believes more than me. Oh, I believe way more than Joey. Hmm. Belief as a mustard seed, faith, like a mustard seed. That's it. It's all it has to be is a visible thing. So when Christ said, here's my work, you all believe. And when you believe, you'll be filled and I'll reveal and I'll change and transform and conform. And you'll actually live in complete freedom, complete liberty. So that you can't judge each other. So that I can't look at how you act because you once judged each other from the flesh's point of view. I can't look at any other human being and determine how they're acting based upon what God's doing in their life. And the reason that's true is because God does things in rebels' lives. He does things in in the enemy's lives. People who are enemies of God, he does things. So it's, it's literally like Jesus just wants us to be so liberated. In verse 40, he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And I know it seems it's not, it's simple. And yet we as people who follow Jesus can never depart from this reality. Because there's never a day in a believer's life when God is angry with you. He put all of his anger on Jesus. All of it. So there's never a day when you are guilty before him. There's never a moment that you're guilty before him. There's never a moment you should be ashamed. I hear so many Christians say, you should be so ashamed of yourself. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. I was like, have you seen the blood of Jesus? Do you know what the blood of Jesus has done for me? Like, I may be jacked up right now, but I'm not going to be jacked up in about a couple minutes from now. Like, I might be acting like something, but I'm not that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Like, I will not be ashamed. I will not be guilty. I will not be in any place having the regrets of the past over me. Why? I'm a brand new creation. I actually believe my Bible. I believe what Jesus said and what he bought. And I believe it's big enough to cover the sin of the entire world. I believe it actually destroyed the power of sin. So that when you think sin has a hold of you, you're actually agreeing with hell. And that's a doctrine of demons. Then the moment that you're failing, you actually have to recognize this has no power. And who has power? Christ in me. So I'm done with this. Move along. We're going here. And then your wife's like, you're one day you're here. One day. Yeah, that's right. Because Christ in me is transforming me from when I've been here quite a bit. I'm not going there as often. And now I'm living over here. And I don't care what the world has to say. I don't care that my children are like, well, you know, you were this. Yeah, and I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't have any argument with you. You are 100% right. I was a hypocritical father and screwed a lot of stuff up. That's why I need the blood. And that's why the blood has covered me. It's why the blood has cleansed me. It's why I'm different today than I was back then. It's why I'll be different in a year from now than I am right now. It never will ever, ever stop. Every day I will wake up and say, the blood of Christ is speaking something better today. 
the blood of Christ is liberating me today. The blood of Christ is healing me today. The blood of Christ has set me free from sin and bondage. Broke every chain. Like, and then all of a sudden, the, the people that were in our house this weekend, they were just like, the joy and the life and the faith of these people went through the roof. No one could stop laughing the entire time. And all it was was good news. Good news. Good, great, amazing news that Jesus wanted to bring to us. And one of the things I just wanted to say was, if you'll ever notice why Jesus healed so much on the Sabbath, it's because he was prophesying that every day was to be the Sabbath. Every single day, every day you wake up, be at rest. You're not someplace you're not supposed to be. You're where you are and you're in the appointed place of the righteousness of God. You're where God knew your footsteps would be. So guess what? Embrace where you are and live your life to the fullest in the freedom he's given you. Like wherever that is, whatever that is, you just have a total freedom. The, the works of God is that you... Share your faith with everyone you encounter in every restaurant you go to. Never stop talking about Jesus in the grocery store. Never stop reading your Bible. Never stop focusing upon... No. The works of God are... Believe in Him. And enjoy your life. Because when you're enjoying your life, He's enjoying your life. Right? He, what brings Jesus joy, this is so mind-blowing, is what brings you joy. And when it's been sanctified, cleansed, purified because of His blood, He enjoys doing what you enjoy doing. Why, why do I enjoy being a carpenter so much? It's not because Jesus was a carpenter. It's because Jesus wired me to be a carpenter. And when I'm carpentrying, it's not a word, He is carpentrying. He's like, this is fun, you know? If you're a musician, He's a musician. If you're a realtor, He's a realtor. Like, it, it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Christ is in you and loves to live the life you're supposed to live. Hallelujah. And what I love about Jesus was he didn't sit the disciples down and pick one out and be like, Hey guys, look at, look at Bartholomew. Never runs off at the mouth. You know, quiet guy, trusts me, believes me. Here's how he acts. Here's what he does. Why can't you guys act like Bartholomew? <laughs> You know, like, if you were all like Bartholomew, then we wouldn't have to go through this crazy stuff we always are going through. Like, Peter's jumping out of boats and, like, running off at the mouth. John is trying to destroy people by fire from heaven. Like, you guys. Judas tried to kill me, gave me up. You know, like, Bartholomew here, though, he's figured it out. Do you get it? But that's how the church is treated. Everybody. And it's almost made this perspective of, Life under all of this obligation and under all of this duty. And Jesus just is saying to us again this morning, there's a huge invitation in front of you. And guess what? You have the paintbrush for your life. I'm the author and I'm one with you. So when you lift your hand to paint, you know who's painting. I'll guide the brush strokes. I'll guide the colors. I'll guide the decisions. But it's you and me co-laboring for your destiny. You choose. You choose. Because I'll tell you this. If you choose and step one direction you shouldn't or the other, 
I'll be right there. And we'll redirect and we'll go the way I want to go. I'm like, yeah. Dream life is not Borneo, Hawaii. Dream life, wherever Jesus wants me today. Painting my own life. Painting what God has called me to. And, and making sure I encourage people and celebrate people so they're painting their life. And they have the faith and courage and hope and destiny and joy to just run with it. That's what you guys have done. You've just encountered the love and the joy and the, and the juice of Jesus. And you guys have just like put it full throttle forward. And like, we're doing this in our house. We're in the meetings. It doesn't matter. Don't care who comes. Like, you're living. You're painting. Like, that's what all of us are doing together. So share what you guys got to share. But I just wanted you to be encouraged this morning. So did Jesus. Like, you want to encourage me again? Hey, Justin, believe in me. I was like, got it, Lord. I wanted to give you.